If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. My name is Rock Thomas. I'm the host of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. And you might be wondering, why do I do this every single week? Why do I interview people and talk about the importance of money? Well, I'm here to help you create financial freedom and fulfillment, the whole life millionaire. If you're working harder than ever before and not seeing any progress, you're not alone. If you don't have a supportive environment or network to raise your personal standards of success, you're not alone. But I would like to invite you to jump on a call with somebody on my team so you can change all of that. Just head over to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and learn how you can take your life and business to the next level by being in the right environment, surrounded by the right people and with the right strategies. So go ahead, rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, and let's start taking your life to the next level today. I was a little bit giddy. I was a little bit starstruck. I got to interview a athlete that, um, well, I love football and I love sports. And this guy, you've heard the name Chris Gronkowski, possibly his brother uh, is a little bit more well-known than him, but certainly the name Gronkowski is well-known. Five brothers, and this is, guy is so charismatic. Wait till you hear this interview. And he got onto Shark Tank with one of his ideas born out of a problem that he personally felt while working out. And what I love about that is that you could come up with an idea and you could take it to market just by looking at what you're not happy with in life. So check out during the interview what he talks about and how now he has a thriving business based on a problem he experienced. He also got um, A-Rod and uh, Mark Cuban involved in his product. His sales have gone through the roof. And he talks about how to transition from athlete to entrepreneur, which I think is really appropriate because so many people are going to have to reinvent themselves in their lifetime. It's not like you get one job for 40 years anymore. So this reinvention process is something we talk about in this interview. So let's get to it. Chris Gronkowski amazing person, fun-loving interview, and a great product. Check it out. Let's go to the ice shaker himself. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. I am thrilled to have you here. Rock, what's going on, man? It's been a good morning already. Got four hours in at the warehouse, and I'm feeling good. So let's let's kick this off, man. Yeah, man. I know. You burned some calories. You're lean and mean. The COVID lean mean going on here. And for those people that can't see you, you're looking handsome and strong and uh, and very charismatic. So I'm I'm, I'm excited. Let's get into um, to a little bit of conversation around team. I know it's something you're passionate about, building a great team, and um, so you know, being an athlete, that's obviously something that you've experienced. Let's talk about what that means to you. Yeah, man. And it, it, it's it's funny because you know I was a part of a team my whole life, you know. Uh, growing up, we played pretty much every sport possible. Uh, being one of, of five boys in a family, it was almost like you grew up in a team. You know, we were our <laughs> own team. We were the Gronkowski brothers. And, uh, you know, we played on each other's teams. My dad coached. And, you know, I was always in that team atmosphere. 
And, and so after football, it, it was weird, man, because uh, you know I, I branched off and I started a business with my wife, and it was all about just you know really myself and what I could do at that point. And um, I, I completely lost touch with the team. And what ended up happening was, you know, we kept growing and growing and growing. And I kept trying to do more and more and more work myself. And it finally came to a point where, you know, I wasn't happy. You know, I was, was working so hard. Our, our family get togethers on Sundays. I was sleeping on the couch because I was just exhausted. I wasn't working out anymore. It was just wake up in the morning early and go to work. And really for me, time was money. You know, we were actually, we had an engraving business. So every time I engraved a piece that I put it out the door, I was making money. So time was money for me. And, uh, Oh, I completely lost touch of, of what my you know happiness, what my true goals really were. And, uh, you know, that all came back around kind of when, uh, you know, I fell asleep on the couch and I realized everyone else was having such a good time. And, you know, I was making a ton of money, but really at the end of the day, I wasn't happy. And so, uh, that's when the, the whole team movement really started for me. And we started to reach out, um, for the first time we had to trust other people coming into the business and helping us. And, uh, it just grew from there. And, and really at that point, it still wasn't that big of a, a deal until, I started reaching out to mentors, other people that had success. And I kept asking them, hey, what was that one secret? What really took you to that next level? You know, how did you go from where I am to selling, you know, the one guy, the one guy I talked to sold his business just uh, last year for 130 million. So what got you to that point? And he said, man, let me tell you, it was all the team. It was all about bringing in the right people. You know, you don't go cheap. You know, get good people. Uh, that was one of the biggest mistakes they said they made was, that, you know, they just got people just to fill spots to go get good people, train them the right way, do it the right way right from the, the, the start and build an amazing team because teams win championships. And then the second he said that, it kind of hit. It was like, wow, you're right. You know, How does a team win a championship in football or in sports? You, know, you have to have good players at every single position that you can trust. And, and that's kind of what it hit me. So uh, 2020 was really a big year for me just to really put that in motion. And um, the funny thing is, is like Corona hit and all that stuff hit and it just became even more important for us at that point because communication was tough. Some guys were at the warehouse, some weren't. A lot of people were at home uh, and we realized that, hey, we're not in sync with each other at all. And we started having weekly meetings and that's when the team really started to come together. And uh, ever since then, it's just a whole new feel. You know, everyone's happier. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone has the same goal and the same mission in mind. And it's it's so funny that it took me this long to really realize that. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the sports is such a great metaphor for running a business, right? You got to know your position, run your route, do your job, and then let the other person do their job and depend on each other. You know, there's a guy, and I'm from Canada, and there's a guy named Ben Cahoon who played for the Montreal Alouettes in the CFL. And he grew up with his brother and every day when he came home from school, they threw the football at each other 500 times as hard as they could. And they started two feet apart and then they got further and further and further and just whipped the ball at each other. And he's known for Mr. Hands catching the ball when nobody else could. So, you know, the 10,000 hours, the repetition, etc. You growing up, you know, in a sports family, five brothers, how much of that do you think led to you know, each and every one of you having an advantage. Yeah, uh, man, for us, I, I always thought you know, we we did. We had we had competition all the time. So we were always practicing. Uh, we were always competing against each other 24-7. You know, our, our parents raised us 
you know, to never, we weren't allowed to stay in the house. It was always get outside, get that energy <laughs> out. You know, it, my mom was trying to raise five boys while my dad worked two jobs and, um, you know, started his own business. So uh, it was all about get outside. You're not, you're not playing video games. So we were that house where every kid came over to. It wasn't just the five boys. It was us five and then at least five other friends as well. And it was backyard baseball, mini sticks in the basement, really anything we could compete in. We did. I mean, even eating dinner, you know, it'd be like, boom, who could eat fastest, who could get back outside and <laughs> everything was a competition. So uh, with that too, my dad was our coach and, and he pushed all the fundamentals hard as well. So I think that was a big part of it. Just actually learning technique. Uh, he had his own fitness business as well. He sold fitness equipment. So he brought us in the gym early and he showed us how to do it the right way, you know, the right form, uh, the right repetitions. And, and so everything w was taught to us at a young age, but really I think it came down to um, just the mentality that they taught us as kids. You know, everything was, you're going to earn it. You know, if you want this, find a way to get it. You're going to earn it. So my dad's big thing was, Hey, uh, you know, I had to walk to practice. You guys want to play hockey. You want to complain about waking up early. You know, I had to walk to practice. So if you guys can't walk your bag down to the basement to air it out, that hockey equipment gets, it gets bad, uh, especially <laughs> if you don't air it out. If you can at least, yeah, you know, you're from Canada. So we're, we're from Buffalo, New York. So we played yeah. a lot of hockey growing up and, um, you know, if you can't at least bring your bag down and air it out, then you're not playing anymore. Yeah. Uh, but, but even further after that, you know, we had to earn everything we had. So we had, we had paper routes. Uh, you know, I was working for my dad at the age of 15. Uh, we were umpiring at the, at the local baseball diamonds. And if we wanted a car, that was great. Find a way to buy a car. If you wanted to go to college. Awesome. I'm not paying. My dad's not paying for it though. You know, he'll help us get there, but you know, that responsibility is on us. And I, I think that was huge, you know, really learning, um, the value of a dollar and then learning the, you know, what hard work was really all about at an early age, I think really helped us all five of us realize, you know, how to get to that next level because we had really good work ethic. Yeah. Well, I love a good work ethic. I grew up on a farm, so I can totally relate. Um, I wanted to be a professional athlete, but I never had a parent that said, Hey, you could do it. I didn't have the support. I was that kid that dragged my hockey bag down to the arena as well. So I can, I can, I can relate, but I'll tell you something. There's a saying that says that what got you there won't get you past there. And one of the things that I've struggled with is I worked hard all my life, many jobs. And I realized that that programming so ingrained to me that I would have some success. I would make investments, but I would make bad investments, which would perpetuate my need to work hard. How do you see that ingrained work hard your whole life to evolving to being able to work smart? Have you had that conversation with yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And that all it, that ties a lot back to the whole teamwork thing too. You know what ended up happening, and, and I, I still tell people it's one of my biggest mistakes was really waiting to hire. You know, I, I waited so long because I was all about hard work. So, you know, it didn't bother me to work 80 hours a week. That was fine. You know, I'd rather work than be bored and, and I'd rather have control. But really, at the end of the day, I could not grow any further than I already was because I, I was just limited. You, everyone's limited to time. They're limited to energy. So I just couldn't get past that without bringing in a team. But I just, you know, I was so consumed in the business and working so hard on it that, you know, I completely neglected trying to bring in a team. So I think it hurt me greatly. Uh, I think it's one of my biggest mistakes is waiting so long to, to bring in people to help me. And, it, and, it, and that's also something that I think is it was a huge downfall as well. It's just asking for help. You know, I was scared to ask for help. Um, I, I, I wanted to figure out everything on my own. Uh, and I did a really good job of that. But there's 
there comes a point where it doesn't make sense anymore to figure out certain things. You know, it, it makes a lot more sense to just hire someone at that point that knows what they're doing. They're going to do a better job. It's going to save you a ton of time and you have more important things to do. Uh, so I, I think hard work definitely gets you there. And then you have to transition once you're there and, and work smarter and, and then build a team. And so that's how I see it. Um, you know, I, I'm still, I still like to work hard. I still woke up this morning at 4.30 and I was at the warehouse. Uh, but for me, what I like to do now is I like to set up that process. And that's kind of how this new warehouse is for me. I like to set up that new process. And now instead of just continuing to do it and do it and do it, now I go and I find the best person. I teach them the best I possibly can. And then I give them that responsibility, which was something that was very hard for me to do before. It was just hard for me to delegate and give my responsibilities away to other people. But now that I have got to that work smarter, uh, not harder phase, that's what I do now. And it, it, that's how you build a team. And that's how you actually you know, really scale up and, and bring it to that next level. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, how much how much of the working, you know, consistently and hard as a leader, do you think is important as you inspire a team, whether it be in sports or whether it be running your company? If you're saying just pointing the finger and saying everybody work hard and you're sitting there doing nothing, how does that play into the vision for your for your enterprise? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very hard to lead, uh, like you said, if you're not leading by example. Uh, so I've always led by example uh, myself. So uh, I, I think that's huge. You know, I really do. Um, I think that guys have to see you working hard, um, and then they will will get on board with you as well. So. That's always been my philosophy as well. And, and that's what I've done since day one. So uh, sometimes I actually, I, I feel bad even showing people, um, you know, that I'm up that early. So uh, <laughs> and sometimes I use it as technique to, to motivate my team. So there, there's times I think it, it really helps. And times I, I, I just, I, I think it actually, uh, I just feel bad doing it, I guess, because, you know, I, I know people need rest and they need certain times uh, to themselves. And I know it's, you know, I, I push myself a little bit further and out of the comfort zone. And, and sometimes I, you know, not everyone wants to get to that point. So, no, I know sometimes people, there's a lot of people that struggle with greatness and being around greatness sometimes can make them feel less than. And so we dim our light. So tell me a little bit, how do you transition from being an athlete to being a business person? Do you have this letdown? It's like they have a saying, once you go on to the moon, and come back, what do you do after that? There's this sense of, okay, I've got to now create a new identity for myself. Yeah, I think, uh, man, that, that transition is tough for an athlete. Uh, you know, all you know is sports. It's all you've done your whole life. Uh, you know, since, since I was 14, really, uh, you know, I was playing football, but before that, you know, you're, you're playing really every sport. And, and so that transition is tough for me. I got super lucky. Uh, my wife, after my third year, decided that she was not going to look for another job. You know, three teams in three years, three different cities, uh, interviews every year. She said, I'm going to find a way to work from home. And, and she did. And, and um, you know, it started off as this little hobby. And I, you know, I said, that was fine. I was making good money. You know, that's, that's cool. As long as she stays busy and does something. Because like I said before, you know, boredom, I think is, I think is, is a disease. Um, yes. you know, I think it's one of the worst things that can, can happen to somebody. And, and so I wanted her to at least stay busy. And um, with that, she started hand painting wine glasses, came home, she was baking them in the oven. And I said, wow, uh, you know, good for you, but this is going nowhere. And um, <laughs> I was completely wrong. It, it ended up taking off. She started, started to scale it. Uh, the next thing I knew, I was, I was in this business with her. I was putting some of my NFL money towards commercial gray laser engravers and uh, 
we started our first business and it took off and it took off to the point where we were actually making more money my first year outside of the NFL than I was in the NFL. So um, I got super, super lucky. I've watched teammates, friends go through the transition, even my own family. And, and it's tough, you know, they struggle, they try to come back, um, you know, they don't have that identity, they got to move on. And when you go from making all that money to, to starting over at 60 to 70,000 a year, that's, that's a very tough transition mentally as well. And yeah. um, so uh, you see guys struggle with it for years, but I really just fell into this really lucky position. And at that point, everything that I learned from sports and from football just transitioned right into entrepreneurship. It really came down to the same things, you know, hard work. You know, I was going to wake up early. I was going to grind. I was going to put the work in. Uh, but number two, it, it was all about also studying the opponent, you know, studying your competition, studying mm. the market, which there's a lot of that in sports as well. I, I don't think people realize how much technique and studying actually goes in, especially at the NFL level. Uh, but a lot of guys fall off because they can't handle that workload. You know, it is tough. But if you don't know your plays, if you don't know a defense, you're not playing in the NFL no matter how talented you are. So um, that, that transitions over um, for me. I, I think one of the biggest things I learned in college was multitasking and really just figuring out how to, uh, you know, get us, get a schedule down. You know, I think that was huge, really time management and multitasking, I think was one of the biggest things I learned in college because it goes from, you know, class study hall, uh, mandatory study hall, mandatory breakfast, uh, right into classes, right into practice and workouts. And then you get back home and, and you're, you're studying for the next day school. So uh, I think if you can get through that as well as a, as a student athlete, that prepares you for business life because, you know, you get everything thrown at you as an entrepreneur as well. And then, um, man, so that, that I, I think all that, and then really the team aspect, which took me a little bit to bring in uh, and really figure out. But I think the team aspect is really that key piece that you also learn uh, that I finally really started to dig down on and put into place. So, you know, the, I, I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but NFL players, after they, after they leave that career, two, three years later, two things happen or potentially happen. One is they gain a lot of weight, right? <laughs> They've been used to consuming a lot of carbs and then they, they don't have the, the same reason to work out. And the second thing is that a lot of them have no money management skills. They go bankrupt, they get in a lot of trouble there. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because that's amazing that people can make, you know, 500,000, millions of dollars. And then after they leave the cocoon of that world, they become a mess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the, the weight, the weight's funny because I feel like if you're a lineman, there, there's two ways they go. Yeah. So they either drop all that weight immediately and they become super skinny because that's kind of what they've dreamed about their whole life. And they're like, <laughs> the second my career is over, I'm getting skinny. And they do. And, and or they, and like you said, it's some of the guys that were skinny or in shape and, and then they blow up sometimes. But um, or some of the linemen, too, they just don't stop eating and, and they right. get massive. And, and so that that's a tough transition. And it took me it took me about three years to, to lose my playing weight. Uh, so it was it was a pretty tough transition because I was eating whatever I wanted to, whenever I wanted to, just to maintain my weight. Right. You know, this was um, you know, something where I'd go into camp at 245 pounds. Before the first game, I was weighing in at about 228, uh, you know, at a weight so light that it was almost getting hard for me to perform. Uh, so at that point, I would just be slamming bacon at breakfast and, and just taking it down just to keep calories on. And, and so to transition from that to you know a spot, like you said, you can't push yourself as hard 
hard itself um, against competition. And so with that, you're going to burn way less calories. It's hard to push yourself there. And you're, you're either going to gain or you're going to figure out how to control your, your habits and, and you're going to lose weight. But yeah, the, the second aspect is, is the money control. And um, I think the biggest thing that happens to guys is that, you know, they think they're going to play forever. You know, you're young. Uh, you enter the league sometimes at, at 20 years old. And, um, you know, at, at, you're, you're naive. You, you think that your career is going to last forever. And really, at the end of the day, it, it takes one hit, one injury, um, or just showing up late to one practice. And, and, you know, your career could actually be over with um, at, at that moment. So I don't think guys plan for that. And then the, the other guys that, you know, do play for a while and, and still go broke, just just really bad really bad money management and they were really never taught how to manage it correctly but the nflpa has done a really good job of trying to correct that problem uh so we do have access um to all kinds of resources at this point during and after our career as well mm -hmm. so uh they do have programs in place now uh they have classes in place uh, i actually attended uh, harvard for um a weekend class and, and i got a you know a degree is what they called it uh <laughs> from harvard but um you know, they, they have these opportunities for players. So if they want to take them, they can. So at this point, uh, you know, for a guy to do that, uh, you know, either it's a very unfortunate situation uh, where he got hurt and, and, you know, it's hard for him to work or, right. you know, something really unfortunate happened to him. Um, or it's a situation where they're just not taking advantage of the resources that are given to them at this point. So um, today, uh, what's that quarterback that just signed that half a billion dollar deal? Um, oh, man. Oh, um, man, I kind of forgot about sports news at this point with uh, yeah. everything that's going on. Um, the new kid, got, sensation from from Kansas City. I forget his name right now. Oh, yeah. Mahomes. Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Half a billion dollars. That's that's crazy, crazy money. But what what do you think of of that? And what do you think of his ability? What do you think he's going to do? And this is a selfish question I'm asking you. Yeah. Uh, one of the first things about contracts, it, at least in the NFL, uh, this doesn't apply to NBA or MLB because there's our usually guaranteed money, actually. Uh, NFL, actually, it's not really that big number, as big as you think it is. I mean, Mahomes is that's that's a lot of money. Uh, but for instance, when my brother signed the, the biggest contract ever for a tight end, uh, I think it was 68 million but in that contract. He was actually only guaranteed 20 million uh, wow. after that. If he uh, got hurt, it was actually less than that. And if he got cut after he pay got paid those first couple of years, where the tw after the twenty million was uh, you know spent, he was getting nothing after that point. So uh, a lot of these contracts are very deceiving. Uh, they purposely back end them with no guarantee, so that if you don't perform, they come back and they either say, "Hey, you're cut," or "Hey, let's let's take a let's renegotiate this and, and let's take it down." You know, it never works the other way, though, where, you know, you sign a long contract and you perform and they come back to you and say, hey, let's we'll bump this more. up for you. That, yeah. <laughs> that that almost never happens. Right. Uh, but with that, um, you know, Mahomes, what what I what I don't like about the contract, um, you know, really good for him. But but what I see happen and why I don't think it's going to help him in the long run is that you know, the perfect example is Tom Brady. You know, this guy took half of what he was worth, probably less than that his entire career. And because of it, he has six Super Bowl rings. Uh, people say all the time, you know, is it Belichick? Is it Brady? How did they? How did they have this dynasty? Well, the dynasty ends when a quarterback 
takes a, a half a billion dollar contract. Right. You know, that's when the dynasty ends because you cannot bring talent in around him. That's when his his dynasty ends as well because he doesn't have players to throw to. He doesn't have players to protect him. So when a guy goes and does that, you know, good for them. But at the end of the day, it's probably not a good situation for them to be in because they don't have the surrounding talent anymore after that. So um, I think that he's not going to be able to perform up to the standard that they're expecting. And I don't think it's going to be because of his skill level. I think it's going to be because of the skill level around him because of the salary that he took. Yeah, they just won't be able to go and buy the talent because he sucked up all of the money out of the room, right? Yeah, they have salary caps. And, yeah. you know, what you have to do at that point then is you play the rookie game. You know, you're, you're constantly drafting right. uh, rookies and they're on rookie salaries for the first three to four years. And you're hoping that you hit a home run on your right. draft picks each and every time. Right. And after that three or four years, that guy is not resigning because he's going to cost too much. So right. if you have a great player that's a superstar and he's going into his fourth year, he's gone. And so you just have constant turnover and it's very tough for a quarterback to get in sync with a team when every couple of years you're losing your star players. How does that conversation go with a Tom Brady? Um, hey, I'm worth 30 million. I'll take 20 million, but get me some damn great receivers with the extra 10 million I'm giving you. Is that what it is? I, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of the Patriot way, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, at that point, I mean, I think Tom's definitely in a different situation. Uh, you know, financially, he also uh, is a power couple. You know, he yeah. has um, his wife you know, made more wife than him, allegedly making more money than him. So, you know, money's not really an issue for him. Really, right. for him, it's winning. And yeah. so, when he puts you know his goal in front of the money, his real goal was winning. His real goal was legacy. And so for him, the conversation was probably pretty easy to say, hey, I, I would rather take 17 million instead of, you know, 40, which, uh, you know, a lot of guys in the league are getting between 35 right. and 40 in that starting position. Uh, Tom should probably be 40, 45 million, but instead he's taking 17 and that's allowing them to bring in talent around him uh, on the entire team, not just the offense. But doesn't that, like, if I was Tom Brady, I'd, I would want some say in some of the decisions I normally might not have say in. So it's got to lend to some politics as well, no? Oh, man. Uh, maybe on any team but the Patriots. <laughs> but I think he has a little bit more control in, in Tampa Bay now. Right. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I think that's how he, he might have landed my brother there with, uh, with a little bit of that extra power he has now. That's that's going to be really exciting, and I'm a and I'm a Patriots fan. I'm from Montreal, so I had to choose a team, and I did choose the Patriots. Um, I I love the strategy behind, you know, the game, and I love every I love everything about sports. Like, don't get me started on this because I'll get excited. But it's like a man goes down, and you gotta you gotta play the next play. You don't get to cry, and if you cry, it doesn't do anything. So I loved the innovation that the Patriots represented and the fact that they were able to continually do it with any cast pretty much, which is really cool. So I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen this season. Um, what are your thoughts on what's going to happen with Tampa and with uh, Brady and your brother Gronk uh, reuniting? Man, I think it's going to be a, a really fun show to watch. There's just so much talent on this offense. Yeah. Uh, uh, like threats that, that that Tom's never had before. You know, you have two thousand yard receivers uh, on the outside. Uh, yeah. You got Rob up the middle. But what Rob is actually super excited about, he's excited about the fact that he has a lot of talent around him at the tight end position. 
Yeah. You no, know, he was always that that staple, that one guy, that one starter. He was playing every single play. Uh, as a fullback in the NFL, I played about 35 snaps a game. I would cramp up after games. I was absolutely exhausted. You know, I felt like I got hit by a truck. And then I watched my brother out there for 85 snaps running sprints down the middle of the field. And I'm like, man, how did you last? And, and so he's super excited to have two other really good tight ends at his position as well. Uh, so they can really, you know, they can help each other out. You know, it's a team feel. And, and I think they're going to have a, a really good team down there. And I'm just hoping that there's a season. Uh, I, I think there yeah. will be. It's going to be super interesting. I just don't think there'll be fans in the stands. Uh, but I don't think that's going to take away from the game. You know, the game of football is so exciting on its own that I, I really don't think that fans have to be there to really keep it at that that level of excitement. Yeah, and it may be a season we go through like this uh, as we're all learning to cope and adapt. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And I, I certainly hope they, they have the season, of course. Let's talk about your business. What... Um, what is your business? What are you doing with it? You've got a following on social media. You've, you know, you've got an imprint. You're impacting people. Let's talk a little bit about that as we get toward the end of the show. Absolutely. So the, the first business was my wife's engraving company. Uh, we still have it. It's still growing. She's still hiring and it's doing really well. And that's called Everything Decorated and on Etsy, everythingdecorated.com. But um, you know, really, that was my wife's passion. In uh, about five years into the business, you know, for me, it was kind of like, hey, I, I enjoy it. I, I worked hard. I, you know, I, I did everything I could to really grow this, and I still do. Um, you know, I, I still help her out a lot. Uh, but at that point, I, I came across an idea when I was at the gym here in Texas. And I was at the gym. Uh, you know, I came home from work, and I grabbed a plastic shaker bottle, and, uh, you know, I filled it up with water. And I think I, I slammed some pre-workout or, or BCAs or something before I went to the gym, filled it with water. By the time I got there, you know, it was warm. It was sweating everywhere. I took a sip. It still tasted uh, like the drink I had previously. And I'm like, I wish there was just one bottle that I could use all day, every day. I could actually bring it to the gym. You know, if I'm traveling at the airport and I'm hungry, I could just grab some powder. I can mix up a shake real quick. And that's when the idea hit me. It's actually making little sweat rings on the ground at the gym. And I was like, this makes no sense. You know, why isn't there an insulated shaker bottle on the market? Mm -hmm. uh, so I went home that day and I'm like, I'm just going to make the best bottle that I can that I can use anywhere, but I got to be able to easily fill it and easily clean it and easily be able to, to mix up a shake. And that's how the journey started. So um, I ended up creating a, a kitchen grade stainless steel bottle, you know, threw the handle on it and agitated to blend it, uh, measurement markings inside of it. And it will keep your drink cold, uh, you know, for over 30 hours. I'll keep drinks hot as well. It's not going to sweat. And um, really it was just the ultimate bottle for anyone living an active and healthy lifestyle. So uh, that was my passion, uh, sports, fitness. My family's been in the fitness industry for over 30 years. And I was like, this is, this is it. You know, I, I can work for my wife the, the rest of my life or as a team with her, but you know, this is really what I want to do. You know, if, if I could, if I could work out and make videos at the gym and that's part of my job, I mean, this is the greatest <laughs> thing ever. And, and that's how it all started. So I, I was able to get onto, um, shark tank within the first six months of the business, super early on. Uh, we only had 80,000 in sales at that point when I got on the show. And, you know, the show was everything that everyone thinks it is. You know, it took us to that next level overnight. Uh, we did over 3 million in sales in, in the next 12 months after the show aired. And um, it, it's just been a learning experience each and every day since then. And, and, and we just continue to grow and get better and become a better team each and every day. 
Wow, that's so cool. Did Shark Tank pick you up or was it just the exposure of being on there? Uh, so I, I got a, uh, I got offers from all five sharks, actually. Uh, my brothers ran out of the back room. We did a huge chest bump. We played flip cup against them and, and they were sold, right? <laughs> we, we won them over just with uh, charisma, I think. Uh, but all five offered. We ended up closing a deal with Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I had a chance to interview uh, Robert Herjavec on one of my podcasts. Um, he's a pretty smooth, cool guy, isn't he? Yeah, but Robert. Uh, so he wasn't on my episode. Oh, okay. And so I was hoping he would be, but um, so they had they had a guest, which was which was Alex Rodriguez, and then um, okay, uh, yeah. So so he wasn't on the episode that I was on. Okay, gotcha. But I, I watch I watch every episode, so yeah, he's, yeah. he's definitely smooth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're, what do you think of what um, of the speaking of a power couple of uh, J Lo and A Rod? What what they've done and what he's done? Like when he got suspended, he actually got into real estate and he's created quite an empire. I don't know if you know much about it, but he's um, he's a pretty interesting athlete to entrepreneur as well. Yeah, I think he um, did a really good job of just really rebuilding his brand. Mm -hmm. You know, when he left the MLB. Um, you know, right? You, you, you didn't know what was going to happen. A lot of people didn't like him. Uh, a lot of people still liked him. I think he did a really, really good job of making a comeback uh, into the public eye and, and you know, reinventing himself as well. You know, coming back, being a great broadcaster uh, and just just sharing sharing everyday life with, with yeah. people. He's done yeah. a really good job of. So uh, he came in, he did a great job for us with, with promoing the product and really getting it out there. He got us into some of his gyms. And then actually when my brother retired um, last year, he was really wanting to get into the business world. And so my brother approached me and said, hey, man, is there any way I can get in? And um, at that time with, with Alex, he was so busy with J-Lo and everything that they had going on uh, that he really couldn't put much attention towards the business. So Rob asked them um, if they could make a deal. And Rob actually uh, bought, bought Alex the shares to the company. So Rob's now a part owner and Mark Cuban is also a part owner as well. Oh, that's really exciting, man. That's great stuff. So as you go forward, what are you um, what are you most excited about right now? Coronavirus and all pivoting, reinventing. Where, where, what does the next year or two look like for you? Man, we're uh, we're excited. Uh, I've never had a team so excited about just growing and becoming more of a team. And so uh, for us, it, it's, it's just been growth. You know, we're getting in the new warehouse now. Uh, we sold out of really for the last couple of months, we had more than half of our products sold out and we're getting it all back in stock now. And each and every day, it's just still a new adventure for the team and everyone's excited to be there. And that's what I love is that when you get to work, people are excited to be there. When a big truck comes in, full to the top, you open up the door and you can't <laughs> see anything but boxes in your face. And the guys are just excited. And, and the first guy just jumps in there, grabs the box before anyone says anything. And I'm like, Man, this is this is a different world, and that's what gets me excited. Is, is when people are excited to be there and excited to do the work, and you're like, yes, man, you know, they're, they're jumping on board. So we have so many cool things coming. Um, you know, we're getting more into larger jugs and really pushing into youth sports as well. Um, I think Corona at first, you know, it, it crushed us. It crushed everybody, yeah. uh, but it gave us an opportunity to get better and really dig deep and really figure out what we can do and really game plan and. No, the one thing that did come out of it that that has helped us is the fact that you know, each and every kid, uh, each and every kid at youth sports or in, in high school, uh, when they go back to school, they have to bring their own bottle now. You know, there's no more sharing right. Gatorade jugs. Right. There's, there's no more bringing the big container like 
you know, we used to back in the day, there's no more six packs on the, on the hockey bench, mm -hmm. uh, six packs of water, I'm saying. And so those, those days are going to be over, at least for now. Uh, so it really gives us this great opportunity to come in and, and supply that product. And what's really cool about our business is that we're able to personalize each and every bottle. And that's really a byproduct of, of my wife's engraving company. So uh, we can put logos, we can put names, we can really put anything on a bottle that opens up so much opportunity for us. And, and, and so we're, we're excited. We're excited for, for the future and to, to continue to grow and just get better and better and, and bigger and bigger as a team. Well, you have an infectious personality, so it's really nice to uh, interact with you like this. If somebody wants to order a bunch of bottles from you, uh, personalized bottles, et cetera, how do they do that? Absolutely. So uh, our website is iShaker.com. Uh, if you go on there, we now have a wholesale tab. Uh, you can go right there if, you, if you're trying to buy it in bulk uh, for your team. Uh, we do stuff all the time. The customized, personalized um, like logos and stuff like that, there's really no good way to you know, make, a, make a proof online. So we just ask um, to fill out a form or to contact us uh, so that we can send back the proofs and get it all set up for you. Uh, but yeah, we, we sell really to any companies. Um, for any events. I mean, we do a ton of golf tournaments. Uh, we've sold to Ruth Chris, uh, we've sold to Bacardi, we sell the lawyers that put their, their business cards on it. I mean, really it's endless and it, we have more than just shaker bottles. So we really have a cup for everybody at this point. Nice, nice. So the podcast is about, you know, labels that serve us and how we see ourselves. And growing up, a lot of us were given negative identities. You're too short, you're too tall, you're too skinny, you'll never make it. How has you being able to, you know, reinforce your identity uh, impacted your life? How do you have that conversation with Chris Gronkowski, who am I to empower yourself in your life? Man, that's, that's a great point because, you know, for me, I was the smallest in my family. Um, I was told over and over by, really by everyone, by teachers, you know, get the best grades that you can. You know, there's, it, it's a one in a million shot of, of making it to the NFL. Uh, so for me, that was, that was a challenge. You know, I, in my own mind, I never even thought that was a possibility for me because I was told over and over and over again that there's no chance. You know, there's, there's pretty much no chance that you'll ever get to that level. And, and you know, if someone had a chance, it, it's very small and you're not even the best in your own family. You know, your two older brothers or, or your younger brother is, is a superstar. You know, he probably has a chance, but you know, you're, you're the short one. You're, you're the slowest. And I was actually a little fat one too. And, and so my <laughs> brothers would make fun of me and I still, I'm happy they did because all I did was uh, it, it pushed me. Mm -hmm. it, it pushed me to the next level. Uh, it, it taught me hard work. It taught me what I had to do to overcome it. And so that's, that's what created me. That's who I am now is from that adversity, from what I had to face at a young age. So, um, you know, I, I think that one of the hardest things for me, um, was getting over that. And, uh, and it was also one of the greatest things ever as well. So I, I think without that, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I give a ton of credit to, to my family, uh, to my brothers and, you know, for, for almost like almost getting bullied almost helps you in a way as well, yes. because it, every aspect of life, it's going to come up. You know, it's going to come up in the locker room as a new guy. Yeah. You know, you're the new guy uh, at work, wherever it is, at some point, you're going to get, you know, that feeling that, that you're being attacked or, or you know, you're going to get bullied in some way, shape or manner. It, it might not be physical, but it might be mental. And you have to be prepared, be prepared for it. And, and I got that at a super early age. Um, 
you know, all day, every day from our brothers. And, um, and we get it, we did it to each other. And still to yeah. this day, when we're at the top and, and um, you know, you, you're doing a great job, we still try to knock each other down every once in a while because you can never let yourself just get too high or, or too comfortable. So um, yeah. that's, that's, that's how we got to where we are. And, and, and that's kind of who we are today. I get it. Iron sharpens iron. And that's what you guys did. And it's, it's really great. And I'm really thrilled to have had this conversation with you, Chris, and to see your business developing and see you transition from, from athlete to successful entrepreneur. It's a great role model for other people, especially with what's going on with COVID. So many people have to reinvent themselves. Thank you very much for spending this time on the podcast. Rock, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. We'll, uh, we'll be cheering your brother on and hopefully he'll have a great season and he'll entertain a lot of us with the, uh, the typical Gronk uh, make it happen action. Grok Spikes, baby, all day. Yeah, baby. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Cheers. We'll see you on the next awesome. podcast. Thanks, Chris. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.